Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another install of Trench Warfare, my 25 chapter World War One theme series. Here, broadcasting to you live from Tuesdays for Tomorrow. Tonight, as we explore deeper into the Great War in the year 1916, we'll be looking at what became known as Russia's biggest gamble and Russia's biggest feat of arms on the Eastern Front in 1916. And so, ladies and gentlemen, join me now as we look at, for tonight's episode, Trench Warfare, The War, The Brusilov Offensive. As the year 1916, during the Great War, pressed on, onwards, ever since it had first started with the only known naval engagement that took place during the First World War was known as the Battle of Jutland, which was fought to a stalemate between both the British Royal Navy and the Imperial German Navy while they're using Dreadnought-class battlecruisers. Already on land on the European continent during the year, it had first seen during that same time a French army counterattack towards the Germans near the French town of Verdun, which was located near the Somme River in eastern France that was also fought to a standstill, but with many high casualties. Elsewhere during the war and even around the world, the year 1916 was basically almost the same as the previous years of 1915 and the autumn of 1914 when the war began. But in 1916, new world events were already shaping the entire year, such as the infamous Jersey Shore shark attacks that killed four to five people that were vacationing on the Georgia, all the way from the Georgia beach to the famed beaches of New Jersey and also occurring that same year was the infamous Battle of the Somme, which was a more allied attack consisting of the all-volunteer British Expeditionary Force of the British Army, now being led by the infamous British general named Douglas Haig, along with the French allies, have also attempted a counterattack in a huge effort, combined effort of both Anglo and French forces to break the everlasting stalemate of trench warfare against the Germans while on the Western Front during the war. Also occurring during the war in 1916 over in Ireland was the Easter Rebellion that started in Dublin between the loyal political party members of the Irish political group, group known as Sinn Féin, or Ourselves Alone, or We Ourselves, who have infamously revolted against the British occupation on, on that, in that country in a morbid and violent upheaval to bring total and complete independence to the country of Ireland. 
But out on the Eastern Front during the war in 1916, there was also new events shipping there. Already, the, the Imperial Russians, now under the complete total command of one Tsar Nicholas II, was already get ready to make a final gamble, a final counterattack against the combined forces of both Imperial Germany and Austria-Hungary. That was placed under a Imperial Army general that was, in, that was head of the Russian Armed Forces during the time by the name of Yuri Busilov, who was appointed by Tsar Nicholas II at the time, who had, due to the rising loss of human life and huge military losses on the Eastern Front ever since they've lost the first battle that they've waged, that they, that they participated in, which was the Battle of Tannenberg back in late 1914. The Imperial Russian military force at the time was getting ready to attempt a last counterattack to break the stalemate on the Eastern Front. And so, ladies and gentlemen, tonight's episode will be more focused on the Brusilov Offensive and was it actually a success or was it just another one of the Russian Empire's most militarily failures? And so, join us tonight here on Tuesdays for Tomorrow as we look at the Brusilov Offensive all together. The most widely used scout plane that the Imperial Russians had used during the war was the new ports and the spots that they took on various types of Imperial German and Austro-Hungarian fighters while flying over the Eastern Front. And so it was by this Brusilov offensive that it did become a good feat of arms for Imperial Russia during the war. But with this staggering amount of losses and another huge losses to the central power forces, it also drove up very high anxieties. Some of them were wanting revolution throughout Russian cities back then in the year of 1916. Meanwhile, on the western front of the war, while the Brusilov offensive was going on, as aforementioned during this earlier in this episode, there was an armed revolt going on in the city of Dublin in Ireland. The uh, political arm of the Irish political party known as Sinn Féin, led by Arthur Griffith, Michael Collins, especially Eamon de Valera, was, was already getting under the way with armed supporters of the now defunct terrorist group called the Irish Republican Army began to attack British Army forces in Dublin and elsewhere during the, on the island nation of Ireland causing significant losses there elsewhere in 1916 during the war the situation hasn't changed after the Brusilov Offensive have ended. 
already on the Western Front, it had seen the battles of Verdun, especially the battles of the Somme. At first, I first used the um, their new British Army event invented combat tanks into battle. Thus, they were very, should we say, clumsy and unreliable, but they actually helped to win individual battles, despite having the uh, appearance of land ships during the Battle of the Somme. In a more effort to break the continuing stalemate of trench warfare, despite enduring many weeks and days of and months of overnight artillery shelling and overnight gas attacks on both fronts of the war. But the big question is, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to the Brusilov Offensive in 1916, had the Imperial Russians, now under the full supreme military leadership of one Tsar Nicholas II, had important had imported the uh, new British Mark IV combat tank on the West Eastern Front, had the Russians deployed these kind of tanks against the Germans and the Austro-Hungarians, would the uh, Brusilov has to be more of a success? Could be. Maybe it would just like drive out the uh, Central Powers forces away from the conquered territories that they took away from the Russian Empire during that time, or would it be another stalemate? To that, lead, to that answer, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know. But for whatever reason in time and throughout the entire and as the course of our world and human history, the Brusilov Offensive should. It will always be the Russian Empire's most greatest gamble of military strategies and Russia's feet of arms, despite that they truly had suffered huge enormous losses on, on the Eastern Front against the two central power warring nations. But even as for the slightest, ladies and gentlemen, Could Russia's Busyov offensive be greatly a huge success if it had used combat tanks from the Western Front onto the Eastern Front, including more advanced types of Newport and Spad biplanes? It could be. But then again, no one knows if it will be an actual success, success of all. But as the year 1916 rolled on, other fronts were being opened. Ever since the uh, abortive Triple Entente forces had attacked the the central power allied nation of Turkey, known back then as the Ottoman Empire, an important battle was being waged that saw British forces capture Mesopotamia, now known as the country of Iraq, as well as the Holy City of Jerusalem back then, during the First World War. Some of them were led by the legendary Lawrence of Arabia, whose real name was T.E. Lawrence. And although Britain herself 
had already known the absolute value and experience of universal desert warfare. Having fought one from 1899 to 1901 or 1902 down in South Africa during the Boer War, during the last years of their previously ruled Queen Victoria's rule at the time. But it was during the First World War out in the Middle East that Mesopotamia, including the city of Baghdad, was later attacked and captured by British forces. And the same thing was said about Jerusalem back then due to a more British army-led Arab revolt that was led by Lawrence of Arabia at the time. And so... It was all these occurring losses, victories, minor victories, naval victories, air victories, in which many fighter biplanes soon took to the skies, fighting in huge aerial dogfights against each other, while flying in huge mountains formations of squadrons known as circuses throughout the air. It would be until another year in which a very cosmic cosmic and, and huge internal political upheaval that will ultimately cost one of the great allied nations of the Triple Entente to leave the war and the sudden re-emergence of a new nation that would suddenly enter it all because of a letter that was intercepted. But until then, the year 1916 was a great wonder, was actually a year for great wonders during the First World War. It had seen on land the first use of combat tanks, dubbed land ships due to its size. It had seen the epic battles of Verdun and the Somme that were fought between the countries of the UK, France, and Imperial Germany. It had also seen a military gamble that was made by the Russian Empire on the Central Powers that became Russia's huge fleet of arms. And over in Ireland, it had seen a more violent and armed start to achieve an a newborn Ireland nation's independence from British imperial rule, as well as the four to five deaths of beachgoers on the Jersey Shore in the United States while it was still neutral, as well as some desert warfare battles being waged out in the Middle East, such as in Mesopotamia, now the country of Iraq, and the epic recapture of Jerusalem from the Ottomans by an Arab revolt that was led by Lawrence of Arabia and the British Army forces that were with him at the time. But none of these, ladies and gentlemen, would compare to when 1917 would roll around. But until then, the year 1916 in the First World War was not 
was one to say one for the rest history books that began with a huge only naval confrontation and it, and it had ended with a huge feat of arms by the Imperial Russians. But nothing would ever come or compare to what the year 1917 would truly lie ahead for them during the war. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. May God bless all of us, our children, and our planet. And remember, I want you to think, not panic. I would like to say thank you once again for listening to this new episode here on Tuesdays for Tomorrow. And I would like to make this brief announcement that, yes, my World War I podcast series entitled Trench Warfare is coming to an end pretty soon. I hope you enjoyed listening to this 25-chapter podcast series about World War I. And it has been quite an honor for me to present it to you live. To the best of my knowledge, my intellect, my logic, and to my vocal abilities. Again, I would just like to say thank you everyone for listening to me here on Spotify, Spotify Podcasters, iHeartRadio, Sirius XM, or any other kind of podcasting service that you are hearing my voice, including those who are out there online in cyberspace on many of the great social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter Now X, Meta, Threads, Instagram, or any other kind of social media platform that you are hearing my voice and my podcast entitled Tuesdays for Tomorrow. Once again, thank you for all for all joining me. We'll see you again next time here on Tuesdays for Tomorrow. Good night, everyone.